Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Jays from Away podcast, episode 71. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Wesley James, who will join me in conversation and will also bring you an interview with Casey Clemens, first baseman in the Blue Jays minor league system. Welcome back to the Blue Jays from Away podcast. We're brought to you by the 2018 Toronto Blue Jays Minor League Handbook and the premium content section of Blue Jays from Away. This year's edition features profiles of over 250 players in the Toronto Blue Jays organization while giving you all of the info you need to follow the Blue Jays minor leaguers in action. The premium content section has photos, video, and scouting reports to supplement the profiles. The 2008 Toronto Blue Jays Minor League Handbook and the Blue Jays from Away Premium Content section. We've got you covered. Now available at the Blue Jays from Away shop and at Amazon in format for Kindle and in print. Welcome back to the Blue Jays from Away podcast. I am joined by Wesley James, and we're going to talk some Blue Jays baseball, starting with the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 12 and 6, second place in the American League East, uh, second to the juggernaut Boston Red Sox. And uh, the Jays just dropped the opener of their series in uh, Yankee Stadium. Uh, what are you seeing from the team there, Wes? I'm seeing some exciting baseball. It feels like they're always in it, and they're, uh, they're always getting hit. Uh, in important situations, which was not happening last year, unless your name was Ryan Goins. So this is, uh, it seems like we have a team full of Ryan Goins 2017 this year. <laughs> well, I think a team full of Ryan Goins might be a little bit scary. I, I don't think we're we're quite there. All right, okay, okay, okay. What do you what do you think? What do you see in that? Well, I you know I, it's funny you mentioned that it always seems like the Blue Jays have a chance. Uh, that's something that actually Mike Wilner has been saying a lot. Is that looking at this team, seeing some of the wins that they're getting, like he's saying, you know, we wouldn't have seen some of these plays or some of these hits, um, you know, last year with with last year's team, and I think. I think to, to some extent that's very true. Obviously, every game is its own little entity and every at-bat. Um, but seeing how the Blue Jays aren't you know, just sitting back for that three-run home run that they seem to have been in the past, especially with Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion on the roster, I think this roster is, a, is much more multifaceted in terms of their offensive capabilities. Yeah, and they're always being aggressive, like on the, on the base pass. Obviously, the Kevin Pillar triple steal was hilarious, but you're you're always getting seeing people going first to third where they might not have tried that last year. Even uh, even if they get thrown out, they're still pushing people and making keeping pitchers off balance from from the running game. Yeah, and we're seeing uh, Gibby use the hit and run a lot more than we used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that is amazing. And speaking of Gibby, I mean, he's famous now. New York Times article and everything. So. So maybe maybe all that that his style will get picked up and there'll be a Gibby esque approach to baseball all of a sudden. Well, I think the exciting part of this is we're seeing guys like Steve Pierce actually show us 
more than just you know potential they're showing us um, real execution and with Pierce especially against lefties um, Curtis Granderson is is kind of hitting out of his mind um, and Jan Hervis Solarte you know if you look down at the stats for these guys um, you know Kevin Pilar is is you know still having a fantastic April um, and really it's it's only a handful of guys that are really not performing yeah and even those players I think there's some evidence that they're I mean Gritchuk is not going to hit 88, you know, all year. He's 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 a better player than that. So there and he's obviously there's some some of the small sample size, but you know the batted ball stats suggest that he is getting a little bit unlucky. Yeah, and I mean Luke Maley is not going to hit for a 1.192 OPS throughout the entire season. Obviously. Says you, I think he's going to hit 522 all year. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. yeah, well he's you know he's hitting almost 500. He's got you know. Four doubles already. Um, and, of course, you know, we can't overlook the, the sort of living legend of Teoscar Hernandez. Oh, he's, he's everyone would have him called up. He'd be the only player on the team, I think, if it was up to some people. Well, we could have nine of him, and then that would be fantastic. That would be fine. Yeah, if he's hit, hitting above 350 and then with an OBP of 360, you know, then we'll be fine. <laughs> that's above average, right? That's, that's, that's well, well above average, average yeah. Um, you know, I'm not... I'm not really worried about Hernandez. I mean, it's a very small sample size, but he is striking out a lot less so far in just the 25 plate appearances we've seen. He's, he's struck out six times. I mean, the one walk is going to be an issue. But uh, when he was in Buffalo, what were his... Was he walking? Not really. No, he was kind of the same, profiling the same, right? He, he profiles like this. Yeah, he's not going to walk this little, I think, but... I mean, he'll probably walk between six and seven percent, five to seven percent, something like that. Um, you know, we're still seeing a cold Russell Martin. We're still seeing a cold Devin Travis um, and Randall Grichuk, of course. And th- that sort of third of the lineup is kind of holding things back. I think uh, we've seen. Um, you know, the nice thing is that you know Maley is hitting that well, and so the Blue Jays can put him in and take the pressure offensively off of Russell Martin a little bit. Um, I know it's really scary to say that Luke Maley is taking the pressure off of Russell Martin. <laughs> uh, but, you know, again, with, with guys like Diaz and Solarte playing well, then Devin Travis, you know, when he's having that day off, uh, you know, it's not a drop-off in offense. It's actually, you know, they're actually getting more offense out of the position, um, even though I'm sure that once he gets going, uh, you know, he had that slow start last year and then really got hot in May. So, you know, we're hoping that the calendar will help, not the actual weather. Uh, he's not like the groundhog and will go running away from the snow that we've been having. But, you know, I think all the other moves that the Jays have made, you know, that those depth pieces like Granderson and Solarte and Diaz, you know, those depth pieces have really worked out very well for the club. There's almost, I mean... Grichik is the only one that has looked like it initially hasn't hasn't worked out as well as, but everything else has worked out way better than I think they even thought it would. Um, the one thing that is going to be interesting to look at over the next ten days is because the schedule gets harder. We've had a little bit of an easy schedule. It's clear that the, so far we can beat up on bad teams, um, and that's good to see because that's something that I think in some years, a couple years past, we've kind of missed a little bit that where they do well against good teams and then okay against bad teams and so if we can beat up on bad teams and then hold our own 
against good teams, then I think we'll be in the conversation. We'll see where the Angels are at, at the end of the year and that kind of stuff. But yeah, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is that yeah, they're playing very well, but they're they are playing against the worst, not the worst, but some of the worst teams in the league, and that makes you know it, it's White good Sox, to see. White Sox, Baltimore, and uh, KC. KC are yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, and but it's it's good to see because in the past when they're not going well, they will you know they won't be as dominant against those teams. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this week coming up with the Yankees and the Red Sox is definitely um, going to be a good litmus test. Boston, what uh, did, you, did you did you see that coming? Would you have thought that they would have been sixteen and two? Well, sixteen and two, no. But you know they're you know they're a good team and they're they've got a strong core on that team and they they did go out and get J D Martinez and you know it's. It's the type of thing where, you know, teams get hot and teams will have these hot stretches. And I'm sure the Blue Jays will have maybe not a 16-2 and two stretch, but something fairly comparable at some point in the season. Uh, it's just because it's at the beginning of the season, it's magnified because that's all we see. Well, and it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when Stanton gets his average above the Mendoza line and, then, and they become more of a threat for Boston, too. Absolutely, uh, you know, and and when they start playing each other more, Boston and New York, and those lineups get a chance to go head to head, and they'll wear out the pitchers on both sides. You know, it's it's one of these things that things tend to even out. You know, a team is not going to be playing. You know, I don't even know what that is like nine hundred baseball uh, over the course <laughs> of the season. That's that's just not going to happen. So um, they will come back to earth at some point, and uh, hopefully, the Blue Jays are still in a position to be competitive there. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I, I still hold with, uh, you know, my uh, initial projection is, with, you know, 86, 87 wins. I think it makes a lot of sense still. I actually, I think we have you on record as less than 86. Uh, I think we have you on record of being about 80, 87. You had 87? Yeah, you're, think, yeah, you're okay. thinking I of... Had, uh, I had 86. That was my number. That was, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're in a fantastic position to do that now. But again, it's a long season. We, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but getting Donaldson back is going to be a great first step. And let's talk about some of those roster moves that we just had today. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel getting the call. Teoscar Hernandez is going to stay with the team. So Gurriel gets added to the to the roster. And um, Kendris Morales is getting activated from the... Des- uh, from the Kendris Everyone's Mor- really thrilled about the Kendris Morales being activated. Yes, so, so Kendris Morales comes back. Um, and uh, Gift and Gope and uh, Tim Mazar are going down to Buffalo. I really liked watching Gift and Gope play uh, play shortstop. I thought it was a middle infield position. So I think he's actually quite exciting. It was nice to know you kind of trust a guy later in the game to not do something uh, wacky with the, with the defense. But yeah, he was frustrating to watch at the plate. The, the other thing is uh, I don't think anyone... I never heard... Guriel's name come up in, as a possibility for uh, it surprised me a little bit that it's happening now. It makes sense looking at it, I think, but it surprised me a bit. Well, it makes sense. Um, it surprised me a little bit too. I was thinking, you know, he might need a couple hundred at bats in the minors. Yeah, well, totally. Um, yeah. At that level, at, at, at that level, yeah. at double A. Um, but because he's on the forty man, he's the, I think the only other mm-hmm. infielder on the forty man, which means 
the Blue Jays, if they wanted to go down for Jason Leblebiji, and if they wanted to go down for Danny Espinosa, they'd have to make a move and lose somebody off the 40-man roster. What this allows them to do is keep them and actually get a look at Guriel, who I think is starting tonight, um, with Diaz. I think it's Diaz and Guriel. Yeah, there's the cu- two Cubans. The two Cubans, no, so, yeah. yeah. And I think Solarte will play third. Um, so you have... Um, you have, you know, you get to see what you've got. I mean, the Blue Jays signed him to a seven-year contract, right? He's he's on the books for $22 million over seven years. And if not now, when? I mean, he's hot. He's on a hot streak, just sort of like the logic. And I know, I, you know, I hate to give props to Kevin Barker because I really <laughs> have a hard time listening to him on the radio. But, you know, his whole thing is, you know, you want to call up a guy when he's hot. And they did that with Teos. You think he says hitterish? He's looking hitterish. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Uh, B- Barker has some uh, a flair for some for some from old school hitting kind of feels. He likes to feel it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like the 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 logic of you want to call a guy up when he's hot is to me is fairly sound. Like you want him to be in a groove when he gets to the major leagues. And I you know I think the Blue Jays did follow that rationale when they called up. Um, our good friend Tay Oscar, and look at what he's done. He's been fantastic. Like, he's just torn the cover mm. off the ball. He's been a huge catalyst to the offense. And so, you know, Guriel has hit, uh, you know, 347 in 12 games, and he's got three doubles, a triple, and a home run. Again, he's not a guy who's going to take a lot of walks like Hernandez, and um, I don't think he's going to learn that skill at the big league level. Again, this is why... I felt like he needed a couple hundred of bats in the minors. Um, you know, when I saw him last year, and again, this was last August, and he did play in the um, Arizona Fall League, and he had spring training. But when I saw him, I saw a guy who was chasing a lot of pitches. He was chasing pitches out of the zone uh, on breaking balls down and away. He was chasing stuff that was up and away in terms of fastballs and missing on them. So I saw a guy who could hit mistakes well. Um, And he's got legitimate power. Like he's got, you know, he'll drop the head of the bat on a pitch and it'll go. So he's got that legitimate power, but I felt like his approach at the plate needs a little more refinement. Now, after having said that, it's quite possible that he has improved and the Blue Jays um, have recognized that and and in making their decision... um, He's shown the ability to improve at each level. I think the, since he got here, he looked not very good when he was with Dunedin, uh, and then he, he improved as I think the year went on. And he's improved. He improved. You know, uh, he's done really well in, in Double A, and so that is that is really encouraging. And it, I'm it's going to be exciting to watch him. I you know I'm I'm looking forward to watching him. Although I th- I don't think he's as defensively polished as he needs to be. Um, but the the thing that I I sort of look at is when a hitter is hitting really well, I I kind of ignore a lack of walks a little bit because my my thought process is they're so confident swinging the bat and they feel like you know when you're hitting almost 350, you probably feel like you can hit anything. And you probably feel like, because you probably are hitting everything and hitting it well and seeing the ball well. So I think that players who are hitting extremely well, who are extremely hot and very comfortable at the plate, they, you know, especially if they're not 
they don't have a history of being a very patient hitter at the plate. I mean, I think someone like Vlad Guerrero won't be jumping out of his shoes to hit the ball when he's on a hot streak. I think he's still going to take his walks. And, you know, he's hitting even better than uh, than Gurriel is, and he has five walks, five strikeouts. You know, I think that's just the hitter that Guerrero is. But I think with hitters who are a little less prone to to take pitches, when they feel like they're swinging the bat well and when they feel like they're hitting the ball hard every time, they're going to not take a lot of walks. And I, I think there may be more walks in there. I think three walks in... Uh, 55 plate appearances for Guriel is probably not where that settles in long term. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's he's older than uh, most other people on that team, if I'm not mistaken. He's 24, I yeah, believe. Yeah, he's, he's slightly older. I mean, it is feel does feel like time. I mean, it's going to be cool to watch. I it's fun whenever anyone new comes up. That from that was like a someone you got that you found your the team developed themselves in some way. And he has great hair. He has some of the best hair. Yeah, him and Josh can have a hair off. A hair off. <laughs> um, well, let's get back to the big league team. We haven't really talked about the pitching so far. Um, to me, the pitching has been okay. It hasn't been fantastic. Uh, you know, you've got Jay Happ, who's had a couple of good starts and a couple of, you know, not the best starts. Aaron Sanchez has you know, done fairly well, but not lights out. Marco Estrada has had a couple of starts where things might have gotten away a little bit. Marcus Stroman uh, is actually off to the worst start of any of the starters. Um, his ERA is creeping up towards eight, and obviously we don't, we're not expecting to see that for very long. No, he's got a, he's going to correct for sure. But it's interesting, that one game, he I, it almost looked like he was overspinning the ball, like he couldn't get the zone. It, it looked a little bit like a Liriano start where, you know, the Jedi force field right in the zone just spins it right out of right out of the way. Like his movement was good, but it's just he couldn't. He was too good almost. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Jaime Garcia has been solid, and he's got a great you know strikeout to walk rate. Seventeen walk, uh, sorry, seventeen strikeouts, five walks, and sixteen in a third innings. Um, very strong rate. I mean, only Jay Happ is really better than that, and Happ is you know kicking some major league. You know what? You know, he's got 4.43 strikeouts per walk, 31 strikeouts in just 22 innings and seven walks. So um, Jaime Garcia is, is pitching really well. He's got a 3.86 ERA and a 1.35 whip. Um, again. He's the best pitcher almost, isn't he? Uh, except for... Tied, well, Sanchez is 3.86 as well. But but the thing to me about him, I mean, his FIP is much higher. Um, and, and Stroman's right. FIP is actually the lowest of all the Blue Jay starters, but, you know, from a fifth starter, that is exactly what you want. An ERA tick under four, mm-hmm. you know, limiting the walks, limiting the damage. If he does that all year, again, I you know, that's one of the best investments they made this offseason. Yeah, if he's the worst pitcher, I think if you keep an ERA right around four, people, I think, don't realize that that's really good. I think a lot of people think that you shouldn't have, you should, everyone should have a, Kershaw-esque, you know, <laughs> 2.5. But but keeping the team as a whole, if it keeps every game, you know you're going to get around four, four runs mm-hmm. against you. You're in a position to win a lot of ba- baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, for a fifth starter, and if he stays healthy and he pitches all year, um, you know, that is 
I mean, that's more than good. I mean, that's that's more it's than standing, what you want. Yeah. yeah, like for a fifth starter who throws every five days, um, you know, I'm just trying to pull up the numbers on um, average runs scored so far. And right now the average um, in the majors, and it, it's hard to compare apples and oranges because uh, the American League does score runs at a higher rate because of the the pitcher batting but and in fact why don't I bring that up so the average for American League runs per game is 4.49 yeah they I mean there you go if you can get you can keep that down to round four I mean that's sort of the sort of the line you're balancing your offense and defense around is I can get more than more runs than that and 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 less and good pitching around less than four Less than four and a half. I mean, you're you're looking really good. Yeah, and I mean the Blue Jays right now are second in in the American League in runs per game at five point eight nine. They're about half a run, a little more than half a run behind Boston. Six point four for Boston is yeah. just obscene. And then on the other side of the ball, the Blue Jays are, um, you know, they're doing pretty well preventing runs. Um, they are, you know, in the bottom half of the league in terms of runs allowed. They're giving up 3.83 runs a game, which is well below the league average of 4.52. Fifth best, yeah. So, you know, this is a club. It's weird that there are different runs per game averages for the offensive side and the pitching side. That's kind of weird. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased with where the team is right now. And again, the fact that they only gave up four runs to the Yankees yesterday is a, is a good sign. Well, I actually think for the starting pitching, maybe not for the bullpen, but for the starting pitching, I still think I still think there's upside there too. Oh yeah, because you're not seeing the best from uh, from two or three of your of your starters so far. Yeah, I mean we're definitely not seeing the best from Stroman right now. I think Jay Happ um, right now. I mean we're seeing a lot of really great stuff in terms of his um, his strikeout totals, but uh, he you know his ERA is sitting at four point five. His whip is at 1.27. You know, I think even Sanchez has room to improve. So, you know, his strikeout rate did is quite low. Did you see the game the other night? The, I did not. It, I, we, I watched it. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was super. That, that was fun baseball. The movement he has on his uh, on his changeup is atrocious. Like, I, I, I'm atrociously good. Like, it, it just, I've never, it sort of does a corkscrew thing and then lands somewhere near the strike zone it's just it's it dives and it's just amazing it's that I, I don't i can't think of a comparable movement on a pitch that i've seen recently mm-hmm. and and i mean the the bullpen has been outstanding so far oh yeah like, Set best in the american league i think probably as of I mean, two days ago i mean roberto Osuna still yesterday. hasn't given up a run he's only given up three hits and hasn't walked anybody um clippard has been okay Danny Barnes has been lights out. He's got one walk to 13 strikeouts. And Tapera's given up a couple of solo home runs. So there's, you know, a little bit of a blemish there on the record. But he's been really solid. And Axford has kind of been reining in the control issues. He's been getting away with stuff. And O has been fine. And Loop, you know, Loop is the, the one outlier, I yeah. think. Um, I you know and we'll see how long the Jays really stick with him. He's always been kind of the 
well, you know, we don't really have anyone else kind of lefty. Like he's he's been the who's lefty. better against righties? Yeah, isn't his splits are, are are funny too? Yeah, but you know, he's always been that guy who's kind of like, well, you know, in, until somebody else steps up and takes the job, we're, we've got him. So yeah, um, you know, Tim Mesa was up for a little cup of coffee and took a little sip pitching one inning and then got sent back down. But that's you know his lot in life. You know, Tapera and Barnes have kind of gone through that. Um, so I think the bullpen, as we were talking about before the season, I think the bullpen is a real strength, and there is depth down in the minors, so that uh, these guys don't have to be incredible all year. Well, and Biagini, I don't, he didn't pitch terribly uh, when he was up, but he's also only had one start, and it's been a long time since spring training. About this point now, so he's only really pitched the once. Yeah, I mean, and so he there's still a lot of like. That's not, you know, the final be a genie, you know, and I thought he pitched pretty well considering the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, be a genie has only made um, one start in the minors so far, and, you know, he pitched on that doubleheader day, uh, he pitched, I think, on eight or nine days rest. Like, you know, his first start of the year was on April 9th, and he, he started in the doubleheader on April 17th. So that's eight days between starts. And, you know, five and two-thirds, six hits, three walks, four strikeouts, three runs. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad for a guy who has no sense of rhythm for this season. And hopefully he'll be able to, to find that once Buffalo gets going. You know, they lost out since Friday. And I was actually at the game on Friday in Buffalo. They haven't played since. You know, yeah. today is their first game because they, they basically had the rest of that series wiped out. The rest of their next series, their whole next so series wiped out. So it's been a week. Oh, it's been, yeah, it's been a week. Like yeah. tonight is one week since they've last played. And that was their first game in another like three, four days because they're, uh, I think they played against, I think they played against Pawtucket three games and then they came back to Buffalo. So like they've just not been able to get any rhythm and... You know, I think, you know, five and two-thirds innings, three runs out of Biagini, I think that's fantastic for what that club has had to go through. I remember being down there last year, 2017, and I was laughing because it was getting rained out all the time, but it really got rained out four times or something, and we're, we've been missed, you know, most of the calendar has almost been lost at this point. It's gonna yeah, have... they've played five games, I think, and the whole first series was canceled against Rochester, um, I think they got all three of their games in against Pawtucket. Um, came back to Buffalo, played the opener on Thursday, played their the game on Friday, and then haven't played since. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined by Casey Clemens of the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to the podcast, Casey. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start. Yesterday you got a chance to be involved in the game against the Canadian National Junior Team. Um, you got a chance to play, and everybody was talking about having the legacy players, the legacy infield. Um, what was it like actually playing the game with those guys? I know you've played with some of them before, but what is it like actually getting on the field and playing with these guys um, as the infield, as a unit. Yeah, no, it was really cool. I mean, Calvin and I took a moment during one of the innings and 
we looked at each other and said, hey, look at this, you know, what if, what if this actually happened? It'd be pretty cool. And yeah, we both, everyone agreed that it would be pretty cool if all of us got a, got a chance to play uh, in the big leagues together. Um, some will be up there sooner than the others, but hopefully one day maybe all of us can get together uh, and play S4. Now, what can you take from, you know, playing in that game? I know the pitching probably that you were pitching against is probably not as experienced as the pitching that you saw last year in the pros or, or right. even in college. But, you know, what do you get out of playing in a game like that? Yeah, I mean, the environment's fun. A lot of people there. Um, really, I mean, during spring training, we're just looking to get at bats and see pitches and, you know, put the ball and play hard. And it's a fun experience for the, the Canadian junior team, too. They get to come out and face guys like Marcus Stroman and, you know, get to pitch against, you know, Russell Martin and, and some of the big prospects in the organization. So it's a fun day for everybody. I think um, it was more of a fun experience rather than a competitive matchup. Uh, we understand that we're supposed to beat a team like that. Um, but just getting experience under your belt and, and getting your feet back into baseball is, is basically what we're all about. Now, how are you feeling at the plate? Because I noticed, you know, yesterday you had a double. The day before that, you had a double and a triple, yeah. at least. Uh, sometimes it's hard to see when you're bouncing back and forth between the diamonds here in the backfields. Um, it, it seems to me like you're seeing the ball well. You're feeling good at the plate. What do you think about how it's going? Yeah, I'm actually um, really, really uh, pleased with how it's going so far. Um, like I said, with, with spring training, it, you kind of take everything with a grain of salt because um, everybody's getting their feet back into it. And pitchers normally start off a lot better than hitters as hitters continue to get back into the timing of the pitching and and so forth. But I feel great as far as as far as I um, am feeling so far. And I think the biggest key for me is just seeing pitches and uh, getting my bat path right. And, and like you said, yeah, I'm seeing the ball great. Um, I've had some some pretty good days so far, so hopefully we'll keep the momentum moving into the season. And are you hoping to get a, a full season assignment? Is there any particular you know place you'd like to start the season? Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be in a full season team. I think it's 50-50 between Lansing and Dunedin. Of course, I'd rather start higher than lower, but um, if you play well, you move in this organization, so I'm not really worried about where I start. Um, just... Where, where you finish is much better. So Now, last year you played in Vancouver, and you won a championship with Vancouver. You know, how was the experience? How was it uh, playing in Vancouver? What was it like winning a championship? Right. I was actually three years old when he played in Toronto, so I do have memories of the Sky Dome and, and taking wiffle balls out there to center field and trying to hit them over the wall just to say we did it. Um, and we do, I have old pictures of, of me running around these backfields with my dad, um, shagging balls and stuff when I was three, but uh, so yes, I've been to uh, to Toronto. That's the only place in Canada I had been. Um, but I loved Vancouver. What a cool place to start! Um, you know, getting drafted by the Blue Jays, starting your career off in Canada, and hopefully ending it in Canada as well. Um, I thought the atmosphere in Vancouver was super cool. Um, everybody was packing the net every night, and um, to win a win a championship in front of the home crowd. Uh, it was it was just a I'm spoiled because that was a great first year. And you know what are any particular memories that stand out to you? Um, just I mean, as far as Canada, are you talking about this year or last year in Vancouver? Okay, the, okay, this uh, this past year, I think winning the championship obviously stood out the most. Being able to dogpile and and hold the trophy up at the end of the year, but 
Um, a couple other were hitting my first pro home run. Uh, that was pretty cool. First pro hit was pretty cool. Um, and, and just, you know, having some of the the milestones and, and, and uh, goals that I had planned out for myself actually happen have been, have been a dream come true. Now, uh, you said yesterday you went back to school as a senior back to Texas to play with your brother. That was one of the motivating factors for you. Um, were you ever thinking about going pro after your junior year or was it always, you know, I'm going to go to my four years and graduate and, right. um, and you know, see what happens after that? Um, I, I had such a crazy, um, like college baseball experience as far as what position I was going to play because out of high school, I, I tore my labrum and I actually got drafted by the Astros as a pitcher. And so what, how different it would be if I would have signed. Um, but then when I went to school, I earned my way into the lineup as a really good defensive first baseman. And then after that year was over, my, my arm was healthy. So I only pitched my sophomore year. So then I, I, I did well. And then towards the end of the year, my arm started bothering me again. And so they shut me down. And then my junior year, I kind of said, well, wow, this is my draft year. It's already here. And I really don't know what position I play or what I'm going to kind of go for here because everybody loved me on the mound because of my mannerisms. And I looked exactly like my dad as far as my mechanics. Um, and obviously the bloodlines and everything. So everybody wanted me to pitch, but my arm wasn't permitting me to do that. So I just really worked hard at first and worked hard to, to start swinging the bat well, and I, I had a breakout season. And I think teams were skeptical of whether or not this was just a one-time thing or is he going to go back to pitching? Where, where is his highest ceiling? And, and I said, well, if, if you don't want me as a hitter, I'm going back to school and I'm going to hit and I'll show you that I can do it. And I went back and had an even better senior year and got picked up by the Jays. So all the cards, I think, fell into the right place. Now, were you being scouted by other teams? I'm sure there are lots, you know, Division One college baseball right. in Texas. I'm sure there's lots of scouts from lots of teams seeing, you know, pretty much most of your games. But had you been contacted by uh, different teams before the draft? You know, did you ever... Did you ever sort of wonder where you were going to go and who was going to be drafting you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I, I was not. I had no idea where I was going to go my senior year. My junior year, I, I had a few teams call me in the late teen round, saying, "Hey, would you sign for this? Would you sign for that?" And after it was, you know, the 18th round, I said, "You know what? I'm probably just going to go back to school." But then my senior year, I knew I was going to get drafted and I was going to be one of the first seniors taken out of the senior college guys taken out of the draft and just you know talking with my agent and all the phone calls going back and forth saying hey listen you might be this guy you might be this pick um but there was a couple teams I got I got called in the fourth round by um the Mets and they said hey would you take this and I I spoke with my agent and you know we just we negotiated through what all we thought we could get and where you know I might have the best chance to play the most and have the best opportunity to get to the big leagues and eventually it came up to to the Blue Jays that was my best opportunity well we're definitely glad to have you uh, <laughs> you said about the talked about the bloodlines and I, I want to just go back to the uh, to the to the game yesterday with uh, Braden Halliday because I think a lot of people were really taken by the fact that here's Braden pitching for Team Canada uh, because he was born there and um, you know 
people have compared his mechanics to his dad, Roy Halladay. I'm just wondering if your dad had ever talked about Roy Halladay. Um, you know, they were pitching. I think their careers overlapped a little bit, and you know, both of them were one of the top pitchers, both big right-handers. Right. Um, you know, had your dad said anything about any about anything about Roy, and did you sort of take any sort of any anything from that? into uh you know meaning into the meaning behind where Braden was pitching yeah no I mean seeing him walk out on the mound and the the whole standing ovation was pretty cool I mean what a tough situation that is to lose your father at such a young age um but no he looked he looked awesome like there out there you could definitely see his dad and him um he's you know still a young kid and he's growing into his full body and I thought he had great mechanics and looked well on the mound and I think that potentially he could you know, live out his dreams just like all of us are trying to as well. Um, as far as my dad speaking much about Roy, um, I just knew that they were competitors and um, they were both really good at what they did and um, Roy had a great career as well. All right, so now that we're in 2018, are there any goals that you have for the season that you're, you know, you're looking to accomplish, um, whether it's, you know, a personal you know, development goal or mechanical goal or, you know, you know, anything you might want to share? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all had to fill out like some, some, some paperwork on, on ourselves, um, going over, you know, what we think we can get better at and what our main goals are to focus on coming into spring training. And honestly, like I, I had to sit down with my coaches and, and, and see, cause they're, they're my eyes. They're the ones who see my mechanics and, and they can see where things are going wrong. And I think I had a great first year. Um, I didn't really struggle much, and which is a blessing. And I think that I just want to carry the momentum from last year into this next year. And I want to become more consistent. I think that's what a lot of players say all the time is baseball is such a tough game. And um, if, you can, if you're consistent with your routine and your preparation every single day, you're going to give your best you're going to give yourself the best chance to succeed on the field and and know in your mind that you deserve the success if you put in the work before so just the constant day-to-day grind of 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 trying to be consistent i guess is is my goal well we definitely wish you the best this year and both success and i'm sure you'll have that success if you do put that work in and i'm sure you will because uh, i think the blue jays have a a way of drafting guys who are, you know, more than willing to put in the work. So it's great to talk to you. Casey Clemens, first baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays minor league system. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's all for episode number 71 of the Blue Jays from Away podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Wesley James, I'd like to thank Casey Clemens for joining us and thank you for listening. Come on back soon and go Jays go. Higher, 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 higher,